amazing on the piano what she's doing it's just incredible uh how she's growing there and and learning is just amazing but all right john chapter three look at john chapter three we're going to read uh quite a bit of a passage but it's a fairly well-known passage and and you kind of just got to read through it's about 19 verses uh it's about this man called nicodemus and so we're going to be looking at uh, uh this little passage of scripture here and 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 read it through it so so john chapter 3 verse 1 is where we're going to begin says there was a man of the pharisees named nicodemus a ruler of the jews the same came to jesus by night and said unto him rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from god for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except god be with him jesus answered and said unto him verily verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto, unto thee, except a man be born of, the, of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into this kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Spirit of God, I pray that you guide my mind, my thoughts. Sweet Holy Spirit, I yield myself today. And I ask you please to fill me with your presence to guide my words. Father, I need you this morning. Father, I ask you to please wrap your arms around our congregation, our people here. And, and Lord, keep them from all evil. Be a mighty hedge of protection to them. And Father, I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you turn back every evil that would try to snatch away the truth, that would try to interfere with our service today, that would try to take our minds away and, 
and bring some sort of thoughts or confusion that would, would keep us from the truth. And Father God, I ask you, please, please guide me, direct me for the next few moments. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. This is a, a wonderful passage, and in many ways it's a, a very well-known passage, but Jesus began to speak to, to Nicodemus. Uh, one gave the possible definition of Nicodemus's name, and most of them don't really give a definition, say just a name, but, but one gave the possible definition of being victor, and, and I thought, you know, Nicodemus is going to become victorious, and so... Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, though. We're going to put, lay a little foundation here. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And honestly, the Pharisees are, take a pretty hard rebuke, pretty hard hit from Jesus in the Bible. Uh, but what we're going to do today, we're going to take a, a look at what Jesus really said, both about the Pharisees and what he really says to Nicodemus. First, to do that, we've got to kind of look at who the Pharisees are. Now, this is who Nicodemus is, and he comes to, to meet with Jesus and comes to see Jesus, and he comes by night because, uh, you know, his, his sect, his, the Pharisees were not in support of Christ by any means. The, the Pharisees were a religious sect of Judaism that developed their own body of interpretation, sort of uh, applications of the Scriptures, uh, or I'd say the law, and, um, and, and they... And they, when they sort of added to uh, some things in the law, they, were, they really weren't adding to the law, but they were adding uh, things that would help people keep from breaking the law. And so they, uh, they did that. It, they, uh, it, when it's described, when it's written about them, it says that they instituted those things that would help them in understanding and keeping the law. They often added regulations, and they even put this little definition he puts in here, fences or hedges were designed to prevent even coming close to breaking the law. Now, you know, when you look at that, uh, you know, most of the time this is called a part, part of oral law, but... Uh, you know, the truth is it dealt primarily with Levitical purity and it dealt primarily with purity in, in, in their lives. But when you look at this, it would sound much like our teaching because I often teach on things that there are principles. I call them principles of the Word of God that, that if we do them, they're not in themselves. They're not violations of Scripture. They're not, they're not sins in themselves, but they are protections that will keep us from falling into sin. And so, you know, and, and we've, we've illustrated so often that, that, you know, if sin is stepping off this step, I mean, you can walk here and be away, uh, a step away from it, or you can spend your life walking on the edge. Well, eventually, you're going you're gonna to stumble. You're going to be in sin, uh, and you're going to be a whole lot more likely to stumble into sin from that ledge than you are from a step away from it. And so that teaching seems very similar. Now, it would sound like the protective principles uh, that, that we teach. Immediately, you might think, though, okay, well, wait a minute. If Jesus rebukes them so severely, then you might think that if Jesus rebuked them, then we sure shouldn't be doing anything that they were doing uh, if Jesus rebukes them. Now, here's what I, I want us to take a look at. A classic verse that illustrates what Jesus really said is Matthew 23, 23. And I want you to turn to it. I want you to turn to Matthew 23, 23. You see, uh, there's a lot, uh, you know, it, Christianity is really, 
it's becoming a little bit of everything today. Uh, but, but there are two factions right now that, that uh, one would be uh, very similar to what, the way I teach and preach. And, and, and uh, they would say that you, know, you ought to have some protective principles. That common sense ought to tell you that you ought to try to keep from falling into sin. So it'd be better to stay back from it than to be too close to it. Now, the, there's another group that says, no, uh, in grace, you can, you, you know, God, uh, it's only what God directly commands is wrong, so you just do whatever you want to do along the way, uh, as, as long as God didn't say, absolutely, this is sin. So anything that's not sin, you can do. Now, the truth is, as a Christian, if you're saved on your way to heaven, you can do whatever you choose to do. You can't. That, that's hard to swallow, isn't it? You can't. That's called free will. You can. You can do that. You can, God allows you to do that. Now, he gives you all kinds of warnings. He gives you all kinds of teachings. He gives you all kinds of principles to keep you from sin, but he doesn't make you obey any of them. And so you can do that. Now, I say again, I, I just don't think it's very smart to say, since it's not a sin to walk on this ledge, I'm going to walk it. I don't think it's very smart to walk the ledge. Because you're so close to stumbling and falling into sin. Now, the, the two groups, one group, that group would call me, and, and I've been called this, a Pharisee. Okay? Uh, and, you know, the truth, truth is, when you read this scripture, uh, we could look at them and call them scribes. Uh, you know, and, and you know what Jesus said? We're going to find out here. Jesus calls them both hypocrites. But let's find out what it really is. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, it's just uh, herbs, and, said, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have, what, to have done, judgment, mercy, and faith. But look what it says, and not to leave the other undone. Now, here's what he's saying. First, notice Jesus called them both, scribes and Pharisees called them both hypocrites. Now, the scribes were more those that, that they copied out the law. And they, so, you know, they knew the law. They, they would copy out the law. But they also uh, made some additions, so to speak, to the law. They put in, you know, kind of their opinion about the way things should be. Uh, and so, and they were living, uh, a, again, uh, they're, they're living according to the law, but also according to the additions that they've made to the law. Now, if the Pharisee is condemned for adding protective measures to the law, these additions became as important as the law and had, here's the key, here's the difference when people say to me, or they may say to you sometime, that you're a Pharisee because you believe maybe there's some things you shouldn't do uh, that are very protected to you, uh, here's what you have to understand. A Pharisee kept those things for salvation. The things that we teach are not for salvation. They're not for salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God. You know, matter of fact, salvation is so simple. Jesus simply said, ye must be born again. Now, salvation is a free gift from God. The, the, so the things that we teach, those are not for salvation. So there's no way that we can be in the same category that Jesus is talking about. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to look and see what it really says. 
All this information is foundational, but my point found in, verse, in this verse, in the passage, is the reality that Jesus did not condemn the scribes and the Pharisees for what they did. Now listen to me. Jesus did not condemn them for what they did. He condemned them for what they did not do. Now listen to me. This is, this is where it's so confusing out there. Uh, it's, and the criticism comes for what you do. Well, wait a minute. Jesus does not condemn them for what they did. He condemned them for what they did not do. Now listen to this. Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. He says both of these things ought to be done. God says, I'm not against you tithing of, every, of all your increase. I'm not against you of tithing of everything that you have. I'm not against you giving of everything that you have. He said, but you ought to understand you're doing this through the flesh to get you a salvation through the flesh. And he said, this is not about the flesh. This is about faith in the Spirit. Look at Matthew 23, 25 through 26. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you make, see, I mean, it's a pretty stiff rebuke. For you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. It's like, you know, you ever, you ever left something in your thermos and forgot that you put it in there, and it looks all clean on the outside, and then you pop the top, and there's something in there that's trying to crawl out to you? And, and that's what he says. He says, you know what? You, you got everything clean on the outside. You look good on the outside. He said, but the inside is, is garbage. Inside is wicked. Now, now listen. Here's what he says now. He says, the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Now listen. Verse 26. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also. He does not condemn them for cleaning up. Right. You know, you just, you know, you dress this way, do this way, you know, you're, you're just trying to, you know, God doesn't look at, at the outside. You know, God looks at the heart. God, God doesn't care of the outside. God cares about the outside because God knows that man can only see the outside. But the, but God says, but wait a minute, would you clean up the outside? And this is a mistake that a lot of people have made. If we can just get that, that new convert to, to look this way, then he must be now spiritual and stable. No, that, how you look doesn't necessarily determine how you are in the inside. But I'm going to tell you this, if you really clean up the inside, probably the outside is going to change. Now, so, so this... I, all this is, again, it's, it's sort of foundational. We got to know who, who this is is coming to Jesus. And who this is is coming to Jesus is a man who is sincere about the law. This is a man who truly believes in being religious and righteous. He believes it. He just believes that through the flesh he's going to work his way to heaven. Now, here's what 
Jesus says to that religious man, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He looks straight at him and says, you know, I know, it's, I know your sincerity of your heart, but, but I'm going to hit you right between the eyes. Unless you're born again, you're never going to see the kingdom of God. No matter how much you live according to the law, no matter how much you're seeking to please God, no matter how much you're doing all the right things, he said, you're still not, he's not condemning Nicodemus. I'm not sure Nicodemus, this particular Pharisee, had this problem. Of, uh, I think it was, he had a sincere heart to live right toward God. But Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, listen to me, you, you, listen, you will never see heaven through your own works. He said, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a be born again when he is, a man be born uh, when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of heaven. He's going to restate it, what this means, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He's looking at him and he's saying, you, do you understand that we look at this and Jesus knew this man was, here's what's happened. Jesus knew this man was doing the right things for the wrong reason. He was doing right. He was trying to live a righteous life toward God. But he was doing it for the wrong reason. Nicodemus was religious and lost and on his way to hell. Sadly, many sit in church pews religiously doing the right things but for the wrong reason. Jesus does not condemn this Pharisee, Nicodemus. He simply says, you must be born again. Nicodemus does not understand when he says this because Nicodemus' ears and his mind have been indoctrinated with the, the, uh, the uh, teachings for his whole life that he must earn heaven by the way he lived in the flesh you see this statement is twofold we look at it and say that was born in flesh it was just well god's just saying that when you're when you're born physically uh and uh, you know that 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 which is born physically is is a physical being that which is born spiritual is a spiritual being but he's saying more than that he's saying to nicodemus nicodemus you are, you, you look, you are trying to be born, but you're doing it by the flesh. But that which is born of the flesh is still going to be flesh. He said, no, no matter how hard you work, you're trying to be born to God, uh, born again to God through the flesh. But that which is born through the flesh will still be flesh on the other side. Amen. He said, so Nicodemus, you need to be born of the Spirit because if you're born of the Spirit on the other side, when you're born, you will be of the Spirit. Amen. And folks, listen to me. Oh, you say, Brother Hooker, why are you doing this? Well, number one, I do this because this is what God puts on my heart when I walk and pray. Okay, so number two, though, is because the battle that we fight in the Memphis area, and, and I'm sure all over uh, the South and maybe all over the nation, is that we're so been so indoctrinated that somehow that how I live in the flesh is going to get me to heaven. No, that which is born of the flesh will still be flesh. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to help you get to heaven. 
You've got to come and be born again. And that which is born of spirit will be spirit. Jesus explains that this is not the physical birth, but a spiritual birth. But he, 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 he says, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. He, he, he simply says, don't let, he said, Nicodemus, uh, don't be confused. Don't, don't be surprised. He said, listen, he said, it's, it's, it's such a simple thing. But Nicodemus, you've been trying so hard. But Nicodemus, what you need is to be born again. He told Nicodemus to be born of the flesh makes you flesh. Now, this illustrates the physical birth, but also an illustration that Nicodemus is attempting to be born spiritually, eternally. But he's doing it through the flesh. And you can't be born spiritually, eternally through the flesh. Now, I want you to understand, and I believe God's letting me do this, because there's a grave danger, eternal danger, if you're adding anything to salvation. There's so much out there. Now, now folks, you listen to me. I, I know it may be put in your head, and it may be taught, and, and, and you may have grown up in church. You may have grown up in this church. But if somehow you're, you're, somehow you're connecting the way you live, the way you dress, the way you watch, the what you listen to, what you do, the way you treat people, somehow that's going to help you get to heaven. Let me tell you, folks, please listen to me. That is flesh, and flesh will do nothing but bear flesh. And you can't go to heaven through the flesh. And don't worry about that. I know you thought heaven was coming down. <laughs> we, just, we just burn out another spotlight up here. And when it does, it lets everybody know. But it's a perfect example of what I'm going to give here in just a moment. Now, it's so important because I believe in our churches, and I've illustrated this before, but I preached in a church in Kentucky, and there was two or 300 people there, and I got through preaching, and I think there was either seven or eight adults that got saved. I'm pretty sure the number was seven of those eight adults had all been in church, in that church, for 20 years. But they got saved that, that, this, that morning. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't trying to get anybody lost, you know, so that I could have some kind of invitation. All I did was just preach. But the Holy Spirit moved in their hearts, and you know what? For every one of them, they'd been a church member, they'd been Sunday school teacher, they'd been good t- people, they'd been good parents, they'd been, but they were connecting that somehow that was going to help them get to heaven. And folks, it's either by Jesus Christ or it's not at all. There must be a specific time, a specific place, a moment that you became alive spiritually or there is no heaven. You know, I, I, while I was studying preparedness, I, I look into my, my file and I pull out my birth certificate. That birth certificate has a specific date. I thought maybe it would have a specific time on that. It, it doesn't. But, you know, I thought, you know, that's kind of pretty good, really, because most of us, uh, a lot of us, you know, it, boy, we're doing good if we know the exact date that we're going to say, but to know the exact moment, we probably don't. But watch this. It had to be an exact moment. That's right. There had to be an exact moment. 
And it's going to be more of an exact moment than we even realize, hopefully, when I, when I get to this. There must be a specific time, a specific place, a moment that you became spiritually alive. You say, why is that important? Because it seems that we feel like it's a gradual process. As we are walking this life and as we're growing and we're coming to church and we're living a good life and we're, we're treating people right and we're keeping the commandments, we're doing a, somehow we're all of a sudden, maybe eventually we're going to get to that spot where I made it. No, God says, no, it's not a gradual process. It's an instantaneous process. Now, Jesus, I believe, uses this type of terminology to Nicodemus. What he's doing, he's going to use the birth that Nicodemus understands. And hopefully you'll understand that Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus that that which is born of water and of the Spirit. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, what he's, I believe the imagery that he's bringing to Nicodemus is the physical birthing of a child. And he's saying, you, you, you had to be born. Uh, you had to, one day you had to be born physically. He said, Nicodemus, though, there's got to be some point along your physical life where you're born spiritually. But it's gonna, they're gonna, the similarities are there. It's going to happen at a, a particular day, a particular time, a particular moment that you're going to come to that moment where you spiritually are going to be born again. But now listen, I, w- I want you to get this. It's amazing as I was studying this. Amazing. It's only been about five years ago. And at Northwestern University, and I, I don't agree with their, probably their research tech, techniques, but this is what they said. Scientists have discovered that a, quote, breathtaking flash of light occurs at the moment of conception. They found that a breathtaking flash of light occurs at the moment of conception. Do you understand Jesus couldn't use this terminology to Nicodemus? He would have really been clueless. But the fact is, is that at the moment of conception, when man and woman come together, at the moment of conception, uh, they, they, there's a magnificent and unbelievable flash of light takes place. Do you understand? That is birth. That is life. At that flash of light, that's light. Guess what? Jesus is the light. Here's the wonderful parallel. When, when you in life, after you come, now you say, well, what about the physical birth? The physical birth, I believe, without a doubt, is the fact that that is when it is revealed to man that you're born, that you're alive. That's when man can see that you're alive. I think it's much like the fact that, that when you get saved, you don't understand, when I got saved in my dorm room, nobody was there. Nobody saw it. Nobody saw it the day I walked out of there. Nobody saw it the next night. Nobody saw that inside of me. A flash of light took place in me. But nobody saw it. But watch this. When I came and I professed my salvation, people saw that. 
when I came and, and, and got baptized, you know what happened? I was testifying of what had taken place inside of me. And watch this. When a baby comes forth of the womb, that baby is testifying. I was alive all the time. Remember our text, the latter verses said this. Verse 18 said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this, listen to this, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know what happened to me, November 8, 1975? At the moment of spiritual conception, there was an unbelievable flash of light. Because light came in. Light came into a dark life. John 12, 36 says, While ye have light, believe in the light, that you may be children of light. So at the moment of conception, there's a bright spark of light. At the moment of spiritual conception, where the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit, there's a breathtaking light of Jesus Christ that comes in. This happens often unseen. But it happened. And it hadn't seen by man, but God saw it. Is there a moment when you knew that spiritual conception took place? When your spirit and the Holy Spirit united and there was a spiritual flash of light, do you know that that happened? Do you know that you're, that's there? You see, what I'm afraid was happened is that we, we've had a, again, not Pharisees in the sense that we know that we're trying to work our way to heaven, but, but people who somehow gradually said, well, I, I mentally agree with this, and so, and I'm changing my life, and I'm, I'm doing better things, so I must be on my way to heaven. My wife could give you a testimony of that. For so many years, she's, I'm a good girl, I'm living right, I'm not doing immorality, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking. And she had come forward in the service, and, and they even gave her a paper to fill out in different things about salvation. And they had even baptized her in her hole to 21 years of age. Her mind's still saying, uh, surely if anybody's going to heaven, I would be because I don't do any of these things. Now, if you asked her, are you trying to work your way to heaven? She would have said no. But in the pit of her soul, she knew at 21 years of age, there'd never been that spiritual conception. That spark of light, life, had never come. I believe in this room right now, we have 
those in the room who have never had a spark of light come into their lives. You say, you believe that of us. I can't, I'm a human being. Only God knows what's in your heart. I just know statistically, I know from traveling and preaching and working with people, I know with Bible college students, it's just the probability is there. And I believe that you may live for God, you come to church, you try to live morally, but inside of the cup, there's no light. I believe, number two, that those who have had that spark of light come in, but you remain unseen by the eyes of man, for you've never revealed your salvation. I think there's some that may be saved in here, but you've never really come and said to the you know what? I'm going to confess Jesus before man. I'm going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, knowing that it doesn't help me go to heaven, but it's a testimony that I trusted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe there are those who, that have had a spark of life and have followed the Lord, but along the way got sidetracked in how the outside looked while the inside is suffering desperately. I think that's one of our great weaknesses is that somehow we grow to a stage where we know how to look, we know how to dress, we know how to act, we know how to smile, we know how to, but in the secret chambers of our hearts, it's not clean. I believe there are those that have sparked a life that have revealed it to others who understand the life of Christ, what the life of Christ is about and what you do as well as what you don't do. I mean, you, you, you've kind of, you're trying to grow and trying to understand that you know, it's, it's not about all the things I don't do. It's about what I do as well as what I don't do. But to those, to those of you that are like that, I'm going to challenge you. Jesus was perfect but Jesus wasn't satisfied that he had life he wanted Nicodemus to have life he was telling somebody else about the life that he had you know God's got a challenge for all of us What are we going to do with what the Holy Spirit's doing in our heart? I left to go to Bible college. And I'll be honest with you, I, I left in torment. I torment about leaving, torment about moving. But I was also in torment spiritually because I had doubts about my salvation. Now, for Joe Beth. There came a time where she realized that she had never really had that spark. I had doubts about my salvation, and as soon as I arrived there, I went to the preacher that was there. I went to my preacher, and, and it was a very large church, but I knocked on his door. He answered it very kindly, let me in, and, and talked to me. He asked me a question that day, and he said, what made you think you ever were saved? And 
And I went back seven years immediately and started telling him about what I had read from the Gideon's Bible and what I had done as I knelt and prayed beside my bed. He helped me to realize and understand that I remembered that for a reason. And as I look back, I'll be honest with you, I was saved. It just there had been things of my life that had been allowed to remain in my life that caused me doubts about whether I was really going to heaven. So I'm not saying if you have doubts about your salvation that you're not really saved. But I am saying this. Now, whether it was Joe Beth who struggled at 21 and made a sure of her salvation and got saved at the age of 21, or me who was saved but, didn't, but doubting my salvation, neither one of our lives were going to be productive for God if we did not get it settled. So I'm challenging you, let's get it settled. Father, I ask you to bless us more. And Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that even in science,